to Identity Church Sunday morning message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I've been on Identity as my main series here. Last week I, I spoke on 1 Peter. If we want to put... put, put Put 1 Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10. Um, this is where I jumped off last week. 1 Peter chapter 2. Am I going to have to go old school and actually get my Bible out? Where'd first Peter go? There we go. We got it up. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. It says the royal priesthood. King James says we are a nation of kings and priests. uh, Last week I preached about being a priest. This week I did not realize as I studied about being a king that I was going to have the week from hell to teach me that I'm a king. When, when, when you realize if Jesus lives on inside of you, you have a king living inside of you. And you're going to have to understand the personality of a king, the mandate of a king, it, it is a spiritual mandate from him. We seem, to go, we seem to be doing the priestly thing easy. We see him as the high priest. But let me tell you something. We have a hard time discerning and deciphering the king side of Jesus. I have a little bit of an understanding because in 1993, he walked through a wall, told me to put my hand in his hand and he'd never leave you or forsake me, or he pointed and he said, I'll let hell have its way with you. That isn't meeting a priest. That's meeting a king who has life and death in his hands. So my first introduction to Jesus Christ was, I'm going to kill you if you don't obey. That's what kings do. So I have a little bit of understanding of Jesus being the king. Some of you met sweet baby Jesus laying in the manger, but I'm telling you, he's a king. And when we would understand that he is a king and how a king functions, we might have a little bit of fear of God on us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge speaks, wisdom listens. To most people today, this is an old-fashioned word. Yes, there's still royalty left in the world. You go look at England. But few of today's royals have real power. <clears throat> now we hear them called presidents, CEOs, prime ministers. In the ancient biblical world, if you look at all these leaders rolled up into one, and gave that person absolute power within the nation, that would be a king. A king has absolute power.
people would bow down and tremble before the king, knowing that he held in his hand the power of life and death over them. We don't understand how a king functions until you realize that when a king has the power, let me tell you something, you don't jaw jack on a king. If you do, the Bible calls you a fool. That was a good one. We talked about that word, didn't we? A king, a king has certain responsibilities if he's a real king. But when you, when the Bible times, the king stirred up deep and powerful feelings of pride or fear, of safety from enemies, from the oppressors, or the ruin of death of themselves and their families. Let me tell you something. So you, you got to realize when Jesus rides in Mark chapter 11, he rides in on a donkey. And they start singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they started honoring him and worship him as the king of the Jews. You know, the interesting thing is, I don't really see where Jesus ever said he was a king. He just functioned as a king, and they called him a king. I'm going to break it down. I stand corrected if you can correct me. He never said he was a king until Pilate interviewed him and well, I've got that in here but but so I was saying okay God so where did he said son you don't have to tell people who you are just do what a king does and they'll recognize the king in you they'll feel safety they'll, they'll, they'll feel provision they'll feel love and they will revere you as a king if you're a good king he said see, see he 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 taught me how to be the priest of my home to recover my marriage that was broken. I had to own the brokenness at, as the, the, the priest of my home. But listen, but as the king of my home, that's a different story. Kings actually go out to war, and, 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 and it's called a job. <laughs> Kings go out and make money, right? And they bring it home to their house. They provide for their wife. The Bible says you're worse than an infidel if you don't. Listen, you might want to learn how to be a king instead of a pauper. You might want to learn how to be a king instead of being on welfare. Looking for a handout from another king. Because you're subject to the king that, you, that, that is handing it to you. See, we want to know the kingdom, the, the, the king and his kingdom of, of the kingdom of God, but then we put more value in getting resources from our natural government. I had a guy in this pulpit, in, in, in this altar one time. I, I believe God had given me the power to heal his disease. And I heard the Lord say, don't waste your breath. He doesn't want to lose his disability. What do you do with that? I ain't wrestling with him. Listen, they, they, they honored him as a king. But in that scenario, Mark chapter 11, they were wanting this king named Jesus, the Messiah, to break the oppression that the Romans had over them. And they were willing to worship him as king, that he came from the lineage of David, he was the Messiah, but he was going to take natural position and in in, in overthrow Rome. 
you realize that when you are oppressed, when you are depressed, when you are pushed down, kicked around, you're looking for a bigger king than one that's kicking you. I mean, listen, listen I have three older sisters, and, and there's these, this, I'm thinking of live stream, and I hope he's still around. Johnny Spazzata used to beat me up all the time. He was three or four years older than me, and, 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 and he, he beat me up in the front yard. And I had a sister that was like a king. <laughs> Don't mess with my brother. She hit the front door of that house and run, threw him on the ground in our front yard, got his, beat his head against the thing, and then spit in his face. You ever do this to my brother again, I will kill you. And I'm like, this my sister. But when you're getting beat up, you want, you, you want, to, you want someone to, to take care of you, to defend you, to beat the enemy off of you. And listen, at that moment, my sister was bad. That's Margaret. She's still kind of edgy. <laughs> there was something in her that, that just, she couldn't stand the violation. She couldn't stand the unjust behavior that I was suffering. And listen, I, listen, this is the same guy that beat me up one time, and I come crying home. Every, and I come crying home, and my dad locks the door on me. Wouldn't let me in the house. See, I had relied on Margaret beating him up to bring enough fear in him to get him to quit beating me up. It didn't work. Let me in. Dad opens the door and he goes, deal with it yourself and hands me a baseball bat. When you're tired of getting beat up, deal with it yourself. Quit looking for your sister to protect you. I went dropping up. I walked up to Johnny Spazzano, I hit him so hard and broke three ribs. Then his little squirty Italian daddy came down to get me in trouble and my daddy picked him up. We've heard it long enough. It's going to be bad when the whole family whoops yours. This abuse had better stop my dad. I'm like, dang, I thought my sister was bad. But he put a baseball bat in my hands. Because he, he was tired of me coming home crying every day. Because a bully needed to be dealt with. Listen, this is where the, the nation of Israel's at. King Jesus. King Jesus coming on a this thing's going SOS, emergency. It felt the, the pressure. <laughs> but but there but there Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Spazada, please. <laughs> yes. Handle that for me. But here, here's, but here's, here's the problem that I, that, 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 that the children of Israel had. The, their king that they're putting down palm thrums and they're worshiping and they're honoring. He didn't go to the throne. He went to the temple. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're supposed to be protecting me. And he goes to the temple. Wait. Priests go to the temple. 
We're calling you king. Why are you going to the temple? Is that a mess up? Wait a minute. Jesus is the king of kings. And he's not of this world. But he went as a priest into the temple, exercised kingly authority, and told them, clean up your mess. Quit selling doves and, 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 and taking from the people. This is going to be a, a house of prayer. And nations, culture groups should be coming here. And you've made this in isolation. He functioned as a king in the temple, and he cleaned up the temple as a king. The problem is they wanted a king to take away their oppression from the Romans. And I'm telling you, if you're going to walk with the king of kings and lord of lords on the inside of you, you might want to let the king deal with your ill-gotten things that are ruining your priesthood first. In mine and Susie's restoration of our marriage, I had to go as a priest first before I could exercise. This is how I'm going to function as a king. Everybody wants to have the authority of the king, but nobody wants to go in through the restoration process of owning all the junk that got you there. Priest first, then king. Listen, I understand, but once you've gone through this thing, you can, you can regain. I can remember taking my two sons and my wife and setting them down, and I said, listen, I asked for forgiveness for the first 16 years of our marriage and stupidness and all that, but I am now born again, and I serve a king. And in this house, these things will no longer exist. Susie went, oh, really? The first thing that's going to happen when you step up to be a king, they're going to test your kingship. But if, if, if I put myself in that place, I'd be in trouble. But I knew that God had put me as the king of my house, as the authority. Why? Because I took responsibility for the condition it was in then I could start exercising kingly rulership over my household. You don't get authority because you have position. You get authority because you took responsibility. And so many people want authority because of position or title, and they haven't done anything to where anybody go, you're a good king. No, they go, dude, you're lousy. We're still oppressed. We can't hear God, find God, and everything else, but you claim to be a king? Oh, if you're a king, you're a real bad one. Listen, and you're going to be tested. Is the king of kings living in you? Doing what happens when my kingship gets knocked off at Stonky? You go find the king of kings and say, what the heck's going on? Where do I put my trust? I had a 45-minute call this week that cost me $100,000. Listen, I got knocked off my donkey this week. I had to go back and say, God, what's going on? You know what he said? Troubling waters, you'll recover. Really? Maybe I don't have the energy to recover. Well, then you're going to suffer. Be lazy on me, you won't make this happen. Listen, I got instructions when I said, dang, I, I, I didn't plan this. Let me tell you, do you know the world economy is like in a chaos right now? And when your bosses is looking for, they lost $9 million last month, they're looking to cut expenses, and I got cut. 
I'm still going to eat good. Trust me, I have, I have a lot of fasting I could do. But then as a king, you go, I have employees. I have this. I have that. So you go to the king of kings to get your kingly instructions of wisdom on how to manage your kingdom. I have to have wisdom because I've taken responsibility of this, of this company. I've taken responsibility of my employees. I've taken responsibilities of my church. I have bills to pay. I have this to do. I'm looking to you, king of kings. Give me the wisdom to be a good king. Husbands, you can't be doing stupid stuff and think you're anointed to be king. You're a dumb king. You're going to lose your kingdom. If we don't start exercising the wisdom of the king of kings on the inside of us, we will never take dominion and rule the very things he's telling us to have authority over. If you think God has anointed you as a prophet to release the seed of God's word, the spermos of God like a prophet, and you can't stay off porn, you're deceived. Meanwhile, he goes into the temple. Priests and other religious leaders are getting angrier and angrier. How dare he come into our turf and presume to, to school us? He was undermining their authority with the people. Something had to be done for him. As the week wore on, Jesus showed no signs of seizing the reins of power and throwing over the hated Romans. He showed no signs of removing the people's oppression. He was dealing with the leadership in the temple. And because people were dealing with the leadership in, your, in the temple is why the leaders, the religious leaders, wanted him crucified. Let me tell you something, kings. When, when, when you realize God said, I want you to be a king, I want you to have responsibility, I want you to manage people's lives and oversee them and care for them as a priest, as a shepherd, as, 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 as a leader, you better get the hand of God in this thing. You, you, you have to say, okay, God, you're giving me the ability to have dominion, but, 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 but how, am I going to, how, how am I going to deal with people? That's where you have to be a king and a priest. you got to get your heart right first. It's the religious leaders that went to the Romans. Under Roman rule, the Jewish authorities no longer had the power to impose a death penalty. So to eliminate this pretender or blasphemer, they arrested him and handed him over to the Romans' authorities. They had no cohesive charges against him, but they accused him of stirring up trouble and setting himself up as a rival king. That set the stage for Jesus' conversation with Pilate. Go to John chapter 18, verses 33 to 38 in the Passion Translation. Upon hearing this, Pilate went back into his palace and summons Jesus. Looking, over, looking him over, Pilate asked him, are you really the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, are you asking because you really want to know 
Or are you asking this because others have said this about me? Pilate responded, only a Jew would care about this. I do not even like the Jews. It's your own people and your religious leaders that have handed you over to me. So tell me, Jesus, what have you done wrong? Jesus looked at Pilate and said, the royal power of my kingdom realm does not come from this world. If it did, my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. King Jesus picked a fight with the religious leaders. The royal power of my kingdom realm does not come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Then Pilate responded, oh, so then you are a king. You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves the truth will receive my words. Pilate looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? As silence filled the room, Pilate went back out to where the Jewish leaders were waiting and said to them, he's not guilty. I could not find one fault within him. That's a really powerful set of scriptures. So if, if I'm a king in the business world, if I'm a king in my personal finances and, 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 and health of my, my home, if I'm a king functioning in the church setting, I am submitted to the king of kings. We have a king Jesus, but he's not of this world. This is where Christians become really, really, they really look foolish because they think that, that King Jesus lives in there and you can walk into any realm to any place and act like you own it because you're a king. No, it's king of this world. You cannot walk into the devil's territory and act like you're a king. <laughs> You'll get your head handed to you. So where does promotion come from? God. From what realm? The spiritual realm. And some of us won't live holy enough lives to actually get promoted from God. We'll promote ourselves in our own actions. It's called a spirit of entitlement. Right now, the spirit of entitlement is running rampant in this nation. I'm entitled to this, I'm entitled to that, and eventually the entitlement is going to fall apart. And when you don't get your government check, when you don't get the favor that you think that you're deserved, who are you going to go to? The one you've been serving or the one you've been listening to? That's good preaching. See, if Jesus claimed to be some sort of king, that could have been the problem. Pilate could not judge him because he didn't say he was a king. Pilate was repeating what the religious leader said. Do you understand your enemy will actually tell you who you are? 
They saw Jesus care for the people. They saw Jesus heal the sick. They saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw Jesus take food for hungry people and multiply it. That's what a king does. And the religious people were going, we got to kill him because the people's going to love them more because we're about to be dethroned because religious wasn't religion was not multiplying food religion wasn't healing sick people religion wasn't get, uh, uncovering the uh, blind eyes religion wasn't giving hearing to the ears religion wasn't doing that. that's what a king does and they're saying these people are going to submit to the king that's actually giving them the things that the protection and the need and the love Sometimes it's, to, if I want to know who you are, I'll ask you crazy questions. Who's betrayed you? Who hates you? Why? Because sometimes who your enemy is actually tells me who you are. Mm-hmm. I know. Rebellion kind of likes rebellion. See, you think all rebellion is demonic. Jesus rebelled against the religious people of his day. But until you're willing to die in love, you can't have authority over them. Did you ask on your own? Or did others tell you who I am? I love that. <laughs> he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So if you're a king, listen, I, I, believe, I believe that God does anoint us, certain people, to be in heavy places of influence. You know, if you're the president of the United States, you're anointed as a king. You could be a sleepy Joe, or you could be a Trump, or you could be all the histories. They pretty well have a lot of power. And, and the Bible's very clear. The people grieve when your king's an idiot. I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go on to my next note. Gosh, I want a medal. So they actually killed an innocent man. This, this is where Jesus had had to fulfill his calling is because he had the re religious people would decreed from the power of the day, Pilate, who said he's innocent and they still demanded death. My question to you, if we're going to model King Jesus, do we understand that many times, even though we're innocent, we'll be accused and we'll be murdered? Is Jesus our model? Are we seeing that this is not of this earth? See, see, when, when and I, I got to tell you, I, I, I struggle with false accusation. And, and if you accuse me of doing something and you keep accusing me of doing something, I ain't doing it. About the fourth time, I'm going to go do it. Because <laughs> if I'm paying the price of your abuse, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abuse back. I, that's, that's a flaw, flaw, flaw. That's not good care. I'm not, I'm not promoting that. It doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work. But, 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 but sometimes I've had the Lord say to me, that is a false accusation. Own it as if you did it. What? 
if you're following a king that is not of this world, he's going to have a different policy than you do. Get this, kings. Jesus was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was falsely accused and he was crucified under a false accusation, but he rose on the third day. His kingdom expanded. His rulership expanded. And what he accomplished on a false accusation now lives in you. Many times we want to defend who we are, how we did it. This is a false accusation. When you shut up and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm going to tell you, I've won people that have come back later and like, it really occurred to me that, that you, you just owned it, and, and that wasn't truth. And I've won them because I didn't defend myself. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm preaching about a king. I'm not all that good at it. I do, I do struggle when, when I have false accusation. I'm getting better at it. Because if I'm submitting to a king that is not of this world, he has a different protocol. I believe God has allowed the enemy to beat on me, so God had a right to beat on him. And give me seven times what he's told. Oh, oh, that, that's not a natural concept. That's a supernatural concept. When you find the thief, you go beat back, you get seven times. But if we won't, if you won't take one beating, you'll probably not give him seven. If you're always going to defend yourself, you've avoided the process that God's trying to expand you. What kind of king are you? Are you earthly king or a supernatural king? In Hebrews, Messiah means one who is anointed. The word Christ means the same in the Greek. So when, when we say Jesus Christ, it means Jesus, the anointed one. Priests and kings were anointed and sometimes prophets also. The anointing was usually done with oil, but sometimes an anointment. In the New Testament, Jesus is called king, priest, and prophet. Was Jesus the anointed one? Was, king, was Jesus a king, the Messiah? All four Gospels tell the story of a woman anointing Jesus with a costly perfume oil on the week leading to his crucifixion. But Jesus said that she had anointed him for his burial. It's not the same as anointing him to be king, but Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter says it this way, Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God, with the Holy Spirit, and with great power. So do you want your kingly anointing to be manifest in the natural with a dab of dew on your head and, you know, and thank you, Charlie. Or do you want to be anointed by God? Where do you want it to come from? He did wonderful things for others and divinely healed all who were under the tyranny of the devil, for God has anointed him. He is a king, not of this world. <clears throat> you will not get that anointing from this world. You will get it by following Jesus Christ and having the Holy Spirit anoint you as a king that takes dominion over a demonic world. What kind of king do you want to be?
To answer the question whether Jesus was, was and is a king depends on your, the eyes in which you're using. If we're using our physical eyes, he's not even a king in Scripture. But if we are using spiritual eyes, he is the king. What world are you looking to get your mandate, to get your anointing to be a king? For Pilate, who was the political leader of a territory on earth, the only king, kingship that mattered was his earthly kingship. As soon as he deducted, deducted that Jesus was no, had no aspirations to worldly political power, he declared him innocent of any crime against Rome. And Jesus declared that he did have a kingdom. When Pilate asked a follow-up question about whether Jesus really was a king, Jesus replied, For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to truth. Everyone who belongs to truth listens to my voice. Jesus declared his kingship was a kingship of truth. In saying this, he taught us the spiritual meaning of a king, what it means to be a spiritual king. A spiritual king is one who testifies to the truth. <clears throat> As the king's subjects, the citizens of his kingdom, and all the people who listen to the truth that he teaches. Of course, listening doesn't mean just hearing. It means taking to heart and obeying as Jesus said to Pilate. This is why I think it's funny. Miss Susan comes in and gives me that knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. I'm like, dang, this God's trying to drive a point home. All people throughout the world who listen to Jesus' words live by them and are citizens of his kingdom. It does not matter whether they belong to any particular Christian church or organization. It only matters whether they listen to his voice. And all the angels in heaven are also citizens of the same spiritual kingdom. And if I am a king of kings, do I consistently use the resources that I've been given? Angelic messengers, have you even taken the time in the last two weeks to give the angels that God has given you assignment to help you with your assignments? You're a terrible king if you don't use the resources that God says are yours. I'm rebuking you because I've been rebuked. I'm arguing with God this week. And he says, well, when is the last time you sent angels to talk to your bosses? When was the last time you asked for the angels to encourage you? I got about three phone calls this week from people all over the country going, oh, I was praying for you, man. I just want to encourage you. I'm thinking, am I that bad? I need three of you knucklehead. Because they actually pray and they hear that I'm under pressure. And when they hear it from God, they actually make a phone call. And then all of a sudden about the third phone call, I'm like, you know, I must be in a war and I don't know it yet. And then the phone call of all phone calls come and you go, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, King Jesus, help me. <laughs> Am I the only one who, who, who complains to God because you're losing a battle, but you never called, you never sounded the trumpet of the angelic army you've been giving? If you think you're a king because he says you're a king, have you even asked him what resources he's given you? Every king has resources. 
whether they're financial, whether angelic. <laughs> Susie's belly aching in the last three days. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got Bottom line, she says, why aren't you praying on behalf of your own kids that are struggling? There's things in the, in the, in the balance. And the reality is, I haven't taken the time as the king of my house, king over my children. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread and dispatched the angelic realm that I've been given to me to be successful in this kingdom realm that I have authority in. Excuse me? <laughs> the Lord hath spoken. <laughs> Jesus, Holy Spirit, and Susie sound a lot alike sometimes. But when mama starts pulling, when, mom, when mama starts carrying pressure for her babies, what she's saying is, hey, king, do you want to marry too? who knows the realm of the spirit, who knows the courts of heaven, who knows the assignment, would you please help our boy? He's on the verge of the greatest season of his life, but the enemy is trying to take out some things. What does a king do when he sees an army coming to his people? Why? He sends a dispatch. He sends intercession. He sends prayer. He comes against it. He doesn't ignore it. What kind of king are you? First of all, are you even a smart enough king to ask God what resources he gave you? Listen, I know I got a couple angels. I love Big D. Big D carries a big sword. There's times I've called on Big D, and I've watched him come in the room. I've watched him lay his sword on the shoulder of someone who... Wanted to take me out. And all of a sudden they go, oh, no, everything's fine. <laughs> Didn't realize there's an angelic sword sitting on their shoulder that all he's got to do is. <laughs> I've seen it. But why am I hesitant to use those resources? I know them. I've used them. I have had many victories with them. But why am I hesitant? This is this week. Why am I hesitant? I'm not talking about you now. Why am I hesitant? Because <laughs> I'm afraid I'll misuse it. You know, you can't worship angels. You can't worship them if you're dead either. <laughs> I'm not worshiping angels, but I got a two by four stuck through my brain. What kind of king are you? Is this making sense? Good, because I'm... I'm not going to read Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to talk to you about Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a king, and he had a dream. This is in the time of uh, uh, Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king had a dream about a statue. It was a few, it was 
in the future. It bothered him to the point he called all his wise men, all his soothsayers, all his spiritual people to interpret the dream. Then he makes his statement. And by the way, if you don't, I'm going to kill you. Do you understand kings say stupid things? I want what I want. And if you're not capable of, you're useless to me. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> they, uh, Daniel happened to be in that company of wise men. And he hears this, 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 the, the, the servant of the king going, hey, we have a mandate. You're all dead. Nobody can answer this. We went to the top of the food chain. Nobody can answer this dream. King's a little irritated. We're going to whack all of you. David goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Daniel, that's what I meant. Daniel goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You tell the king I'll answer it. Listen, you don't make statements like that unless you've been in a few things where you said, God, I need help. You said that you live in me. You said that I had wisdom because you have wisdom and my life's on the line and I have a purpose and I have a, an assignment from you and this guy's going to take me out if you don't show, show yourself approved. So he goes to the king. Here's what I love about, about real divine revelation. So he's got to realize He's part of a spiritual kingdom that is under the rule of a king who's threatened everybody's life. So he goes to the king of kings and then tells the king, here's your, he doesn't say, tell me your dream and I'll interpret it. He tells him his dream. Now that's a little impressive. Rodney, here's the interpretation of your dream the other night. Thank you for telling it to me in an email. So let me interpret it for you. No. Rodney, you had a dream the other night, and here's what it was, and here's what it means. Which one is impressive? When you're dealing with the king of kings, and your life is on the line, you not only give the interpretation that the king's one, you tell him what it is before he tells you. Why? Because I'm of a different world. I'm of a different realm. It preserves you. He got promoted because of that knowing who he was and that he was a king of a king, even though he was under a king that had threatened his life, he went to the ultimate king in his prayer time and got a divine revelation and wound up being promoted in charge of everything. Not only, here's the thing, you should hang around really good kings because when he was getting his promotion, he said to the king, he says, you know, I got three friends of mine, Shagrach, Meshach, and Benedict. Would you put them in charge of this providence or this providence? Sure, brother whatever you get. You know, you might want to hang around some people that promote you because they've been promoted. When you hang around fools, you're not getting promoted. Show me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you'll be in five years. That was good. Through some kingdoms and empires on this earth have lasted for many centuries. In time, all have come to their end. That brings a kingdom or an empire to its end. I'll tell you what it does. Politically speaking, there are many reasons. Wars, uh, corruption, financial collapses. And yet, we, we look at the various worldly and political kingdoms with a spiritual eye. There is one common thread that runs through their, through their lives and through the deaths of those kingdoms. That common thread is the extent to which they are based on justice and judgment. 
Justice is the willing to serve and uphold the good of all people equally. Judgment is the exercise of truth in determining the laws and affairs of the nation. I'm telling you, our nation is in trouble because we do not have justice and we do not have proper judgment. Over time, any kingdom or nation that does not exercise justice and judgment or that falls away from them is doomed to fall into destruction. This has been the fate of all the kingdoms and nations of the earth so far. In scriptural terms, all human worldly kingdoms have in time become crushed by the stone of divine truth when they violate that truth through injustice and corrupt judgment. But the kingdom of Jesus will last forever. If the kingdom of Jesus were a political kingdom, even it could hardly escape that fate because perhaps Jesus as a worldly king could hold it together. But he would still have to deal with corrupt human beings who grasp for money and power. However, the fact is that for 2,000 years now, Jesus has made no move to establish a worldly kingdom. Many Christians believe that his kingdom is just around the corner, and yet he said his kingdom is not of this world. We're looking for escapism still. Come take the Romans yoke off my neck, Jesus. No, get saved, get set free, and find your own joy. Another translation is that this kingdom is not of this world. We take his word seriously, we have to question whether we ever, he will ever establish a worldly kingdom. I don't think he's going to. Why, why would he want to when he has already established an internal kingdom? Boy, you got quiet. I believe the escapism of the church looking for the rapture to take us out of all the abuse is why we're not manifesting the kingdom day to day. We're waiting for King Jesus to come do what King Jesus told us to do. Am I okay, Pastor Mike? You're the, you're the smart one in the room. I'm looking over there for like... I quit looking at Susie a little bit ago. For 2,000 years now, the kingdom has endured. Yes, yes, she's got her sermon candy now. Yes, less ecclesiastical and political kingdoms established in Christ's name have risen and fallen. They are subject to the same corruption as every other kingdom on this earth. That's because they are human and earthly kingdoms. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is a spiritual kingdom. It is a kingdom of all people throughout the earth to hear the words of Jesus Christ, take them to heart, and live by them every day. It is a kingdom that rules, not in the halls of politics or economic power, but in the hearts and mind of all people of faith and goodwill. And in time, as each one of us accepts Jesus Christ as our Lord, our King, our priest, and our prophet, that kingdom will fill the whole earth and make all of our earthly kingdoms and nations a distant memory.
What kind of king are you? Last week, my oldest son said to me as I laid out an issue or a problem, he was silent, and he finally he said, when, when did you start compromising your willingness to obey God? I'm like, I hate you, kid. Because he's seen his father rule as a king. He's seen me pay the price to obey God when that didn't make sense, and others were going to be mad at me. He, he broke me down. He says, you just don't want to fight the fight anymore. But I've never known you to be a hypocrite or compromise your obedience. What's going on? What kind of king are you? If we want to walk with the authority of, of God himself, you understand that Jesus lives inside of you and he is a king. He is a priest, and he is a prophet. Yes, I do want you to come to Tim Hines' meetings because he is a prophet. But let me tell you something. If you're coming to a prophet because you won't listen to the one who's speaking inside of you, it's useless. So you've, you've made an idol out of an earthly prophet when you won't let the prophet talk to you. When Joe said that he got alone and he, he grieved God, why, that prophet in there goes, Joe, I can't believe you did that. When you feel the grief of God, because of the fear of man, don't, don't act like you ain't got it. We all have it. We all battle with it in some form or fashion. was a wealthy businessman in town years ago. God spoke to me, told me to go ask him if he was ready to meet Jesus. I said, but Lord, I'm new in town. I own a little lighting store. This guy's got hundreds of employees. And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. King Jesus was telling me to go see if this man was ready to meet him. And I didn't do it. Because I didn't want to be rejected. But I knew I heard. See, the problem is everybody says, I wish I heard God as well as you do. No, you really don't, because you're not obeying the little one you're hearing now. A week later, this guy dies of a heart attack. You're talking about grieving God? The guilt for not obeying my king and letting the fear of man keep me from going and asking if he was ready to meet Jesus. I started repenting. It's like, Asking for forgiveness. I heard the Lord say, I forgive you, but listen. 
I've made you a king. And when I send you to someone, I don't care what caliber they are, I am the king of kings. I'm sending you. I've prepared their hearts. And you had the fear of man and you were afraid of being rejected. I have already handled the situation, but this is a time of, of training for you. When I, king of kings, send you, don't go and let fear of man keep you from doing it. And so, actually, uh, Randy Thomas, pastor at Trinity at time. I went to him. I said, man, I've really grieved God. I told him the situation. I mean, I was broken. I mean, I, I'd hurt God. I mean, and I'll be honest with you, I was afraid this man went to hell and that his sin would be on me. What's that, Ezekiel? Ezekiel 3.18? Yeah. So I went to Pastor Randy. He was a youth pastor at Trinity at the time. And I'm, I'm crying. I'm like, I failed God. And what do I do? And he says, well, you know, Jesus is a really better king than you and I are. He always has a backup plan. That's why we submit to the king. And he's just ministering to me. He says, let me tell you a story. Me and my wife were down in Orlando with both him and his wife, the guy who died. We walked out of dinner and we walked down to Church Street Station. <laughs> There's a guy on the sidewalk with a saxophone playing for money. A beggar, basically. Street musician. He said, we walked past him. And this guy stops and he goes, I don't know why, I think I need to give that man some money. And he puts some money into a, his basket and he goes, this is for you, sir. And he started playing Amazing Grace. He gave Randy an opportunity to make sure he was ready to meet Jesus because he met him within 24 hours. I felt better because he covered me. What if I was the last? What kind of king am I? What kind of king am I? It's time to be a righteous king and listen to the voice of our king. Shed the fear of man, whatever keeps you from disobeying, not obeying the Lord. Stand to your feet. King Jesus, I thank you I even thank you for the pressures of this week that has allowed me to come to the revelation that I need more of you, that you are the king of kings. And I submit to you in the area of my marriage and my relationships in my home, my children, the church, those that you've given me responsibility. I cannot, I cannot give them what they need if I don't get it from you. 
it'll be stale bread. It'll, it won't be what they need. It has to come from you. And Lord, you've given me authority as a king, but it is a kingdom of, an, of another world. And you've told me the mandate is to teach and lead people to bring heaven to earth, to bring the realm, the, the, the manifestation of your kingdom into the reality and the hearts of people, not only in the church, but in our city, in our community, in our region. So, Father, as we submit to you, bring that correction, but give us that anointing and that insight to be righteous kings. Loyal to your constitution. But also come to the revelation that you're never going to ask us to be a king without an angelic host to help us. You've not left of his orphans. You've not left us ill-equipped. You've not left us without healing in our hands. You have not left us without prophecy and insight and wisdom. So Lord, I thank you that as I find these errors or these weaknesses in my king personality or my king responsibility, thank you that you made me a an aware priest that I can repent and I can recover and you can rebuild and you can make what was weak strong. And you can turn my anger into boldness with peace. So anoint us Anoint us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to identitychurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.